feel like we should have known this already Were we even taught this at all? everybody and welcome to Will This Be On The Test. I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we're here today for me to talk about some stuff we should have learned in school but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, and didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we talk about Halloween decorations and how yes, it's September and yes, ours are already up. You see, this is coming out a little bit late as I'm sure you've wondered and realized because you missed us so much. But the thing is, Yesterday, when we normally would have recorded, was Labor Day. Exactly. And, you know, you don't work on Labor Day, so we put out our Halloween decorations, and then we realized we don't have nearly enough Halloween decorations with our six or seven flying ghosts and our inflatable Grim Grim Reaper Reaper and our giant spider, so we got more stuff coming in. Um, we have a problem. Austin, as Austin put it, because we live by a church, he wants people to drive by and feel like they need to pray for us. I'd, I think that should be our how we live every day of our lives. Well, I was a little nervous because we do have a couple of neighbors with kids, but one of them came over and was looking at it and said, oh, he's going to love this so much. I'm so excited to show it to him. Yeah. So, And the other kid kids are young enough that I think their parents could just explain it to them as, oh, look at the fun. Look how fun, you know? It's going to be great. And if really- Because we're not not mean to them. No. We actually very much like them. Yeah. If they came over and said, hey, your house is like really scaring our kid, we probably would be willing to negotiate. We would would absolutely be, please, I know us, we'd be like, oh no. And then we'd immediately start tearing stuff down and apologizing as we do it. We'd be like, all right, um- like the best idea in that case, I think, would be, well, do you want your kid to like come over and we can show them how everything's pretend and how everything works? And then we can let them turn on the big inflatable thing and they can see yeah. how that works. Like, I think it's a really good teaching. Op- no, I don't think that they would ever do that. Like, I don't think so. I'm just saying in general, if your kid is like scared of the neighbor's decorations and unless your neighbor's a real asshole, go over and be like, hey, my kid's afraid of your decorations and they're five. Can you show them how they work so that they see that they're not, that they're all pretend? Because pretend is good. Yeah, pretend is good. Um, so yeah, that's all done. We saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies at that $3 movie day. Um, I love Pete Davison. Love him so, so much. Um, love everything about him. And then Austin had an existential crisis when he found out that the lead actress was Rue in the uh, Hunger Games. And, and it's like, excuse, like the, the child? Uh-huh. Who has grown up. Yes, she has grown up. But that movie just came out over I know, a decade right? ago. We've been feeling old lately. Um, but Bodies, 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 it's a good time. It's a fun movie. It's... Uh, we watched um, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yeah. And believe it or not, we actually have gotten a request to bring back our like 10 days of Shabermas, um, which you'll remember from a couple years ago. So I'm not saying we're not going to do that, but we're considering doing it with um, some Halloween scary type movies. So, it, But instead of being like, we're going to watch all the movies in this series, we think we might find an actor who's just been in a lot of horror movies to follow through them. I know. Who do you think we should do? Well, right now, for me, it's that lady who's, like, she's been in, like, oh gosh. Um, she's the other one who's played, like, the Lorraine Warren type character. I think she was in, City, in Insidious, the older lady, probably. 
She always oh, plays yeah. an old lady, but I think she's probably in her 60s. And she's little. Yeah. And she does all kinds of horror movies. And she's becoming like that lady in the horror movies. Kind of like Judy Greer was that person from all those movies. <gasps> Thank you. I've been trying to think of who that actress is for like a day and a half now. Judy Greer. Oh, because we watched uh, Halloween Kills? Yes. And we are so excited for Halloween Ends. And Trick or Treat is coming out to theaters for the first time ever this year. Like, oh, yeah. We we love our horror movies and we love Halloween. And oh. those two go together like peanut butter and more peanut butter because they're very similar. I don't know. I think it depends on the horror movie. I would not put Bodies, Bodies, Bodies in with a Halloween thing. No. It was... God, that movie was funny. You should see it. Like, it's it's one, it's one campy. If you like camp, go for it. Um... Like, it's horror movie, mystery, and then it's kind of just making fun of generations. Um, uh, which You're upper middle class. <laughs> um, the other day I posted a TikTok because I had gotten so many on my For You page that were millennials genuinely being nasty to Gen Zers. And I don't mean like the little like, ha ha, you're doing this. Well, ha ha, you're doing that. That's been going back and forth forever. Uh-huh. That's normal. Like, what we do about Gen X and boomers. What they did about their parents and grandparents. Gen Z has mostly been in good fun. Until recently, we've mostly been in good fun. But we've gotten mean. Apparently a rumor got started that they were mad about skinny jeans and side parts. Oh no, that was a real thing that they were talking about. But it was a joke. Yeah. Like it was a joke. and And I think it's because like... Part of them was like, please wear these in rebellion because we don't want you dressing like us because we're dressing like you do. <laughs> um, oh my God, I'm so I'm so glad the grunge look is coming back. I am becoming my best self, guys. My jeans all have holes in them. The plaid is coming back. I'm growing kind of a mohawk situation right now. Oh, I'm finally being the middle schooler I always wanted to be. So yeah, guys, but Gen Z, like, if you haven't watched my TikTok, I explain all of it on on the test pod, but basically Gen Z is fucking awesome. Leave them, well, don't leave them alone. Joking is fine. Let them do their thing, man. Like, rag, Let them do their rag thing. on them like they rag on us. Like, have fun with it. Yeah. Because we're on the same team. We have the same ideals. We're just old and tired, and they're not there yet, so mm-hmm. give them the space. All right. Uh, anyway, speaking of being old and tired and taking the day after Labor Day, I think it's the perfect time to ask ourselves... Why are we even engaging in Labor Day if we have decided the reason we have Labor Day is irrelevant? The sales. In the last two years, or um, spoiler alert, more than the last two years, (gasps) we've had the Great Resignation and now the Quiet Quitting Movement, which is the worst name for what it is, which is acting your wage and setting boundaries, because it gives people more permission to quiet fire, which we'll talk about more. Anyway, um, instead of asking why are these things happening we just are once again hearing no one wants to work anymore now what's funny is i found newspaper articles from as far back as the early early 1900s saying nobody wants to work anymore during the great depression nobody wants to work anymore even like before that in other parts of the world nobody wants to work anymore but let's be honest nobody wants to work yeah oh we didn't make it clear austin's not talking this episode i'm not talking at all I've been completely um, silent and will continue to be silent. This is a Maddie episode. Uh, Austin's been super duper busy. I'm in school. I'm I'm learning things, but it's all like artsy stuff, so it does not translate to a podcast. Actually, a lot of it does, and it's really interesting to listen to him talk. Visual aids help, though. We should yeah. we should get a YouTube and talk about. We should that get on now. the YouTubes. We should get on the YouTubes like the kids. Wait, like, no, that's us. 
The millennials are the ones on the YouTubes. Are we yeah. not? We're not the kids. Uh, please, uh, we have a. I've got a, t- a Twitch stream of me complaining about video games and how I don't have enough time to play them. I'm on every day for at least three hours. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I think nobody wants to work. Like never have throughout history, nobody has wanted to work. If people wanted to work, there would be no people who didn't work because they had enough money to not work. Like people who are incredibly wealthy would not sit around going, I'm going to make someone build a rocket for me and fly into space. They'd be out on the warehouse floor like their employees doing the job because they would want to work. It's like, like, oh man, I really want this yacht, but they're going to have to tear down on a historic bridge for me to have it. I'm going to pay for them to pay down, tear down that bridge. That's yeah. Like these, the people who don't have to work because they have enough money, not because they're disabled, not because of those things, because they have enough money not to work. Most of them choose to not work because nobody wants to work. Now that does not mean you don't care about your job. That doesn't mean you don't like your job. It doesn't mean you don't like your boss. It just means that if given the choice between being able to live the exact life that you want and having to go to a job every day, most people will choose living the exact life that they want. Yes. I mean, I love what I do for a living. I am at a job that I currently adore. But if I were to win a billion dollar lottery, I'm not saying I'd quit. I mean, I'm saying that I would live in a van that was equipped for me to continue doing that job at least part time. I love my job. I love the people I work with, but... I would leave in a heartbeat if I had enough money to not work. Yeah. Um, and they like, would all do the same. It's like for me, it's like, I think what I do, I write, I write and I write some stuff that I think is actually really valuable. Um, and so I'm like, I wouldn't want to just, you know, leave because I think it's valuable. But also if we were in a society where no one had to work anymore, my stuff would immediately become inv- like become not valuable. I was about to say invaluable, but that's still valuable. In fact, that's like more valuable. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so in school, we like heard the phrase labor movement and Austin said he didn't learn anything about it. For me, it was like, it lasted like five minutes and then it was over and everybody got to work like they wanted to. I think all I learned about it was as it related to factory conditions were bad and kids had to work in bad factories, but they had, they changed it and they didn't have to anymore. The end. Which is funny because Austin's the one who's talked about the labor movement done here so many times and I don't think he's realized it. Oh, I, I love labor movement. I talk about it constantly. As an adult, I've learned about it. But in school, nothing. Uh, it's like we wouldn't want to go through the years of battle and strife to th- show how things are terrible for a really long time. We like to pretend this was a short-lived thing because everything was fine and then they weren't, so we fixed it. Now, I'm not going to go linearly because a lot of crap happened. And if you want a timeline, that's you go to Gompers, G-O-M-P-E-R-S dot U-M-D dot E-D-U. He is a guy who was involved in the labor movement. It's got a really good timeline on it. I'm not going linearly because A, that would take a lot more work and B, it'll end up just being me listing a bunch of dates and names. And nobody's here for that. You're here to hear me be angry about stuff. I know why you're here. Because if I've already mentioned the Great Resignation, you know I am tying modern day into the labor movement. Now, Austin. Yes. When do you think that the actual labor issues in America began? I'm gonna we're getting s- we're not including slavery of any people. Oh, okay, good. We're not including. Well, if we're not including that, I'm going to say it was like like once the Industrial Revolution really got going and they had all of those mills and stuff. 1768 is the first recorded strike. Oh, 
well before the industrial movement. Um, and it was tailors who were mad because they were getting a wage reduction. So 1768 is the first recorded strike in U.S. history. As a result, shoemakers created the first trade union that became sustainable. Ooh. Local unions then became a big thing after that, particularly among crafters. Like not, you know, I'm going to go use my cricket because it is pronounced cricket, not cry cut apparently. But like people who mind. use their hands to create things, kinds of crafters. Um, they ha- had to argue to be paid for their work, work at reasonable prices. Not unlike artists of today who have to, for some reason, say working for exposure doesn't pay the bills. But, like, I'm an influencer, and if you just design this for me, I'll probably be sure to credit you on Twitter at least once. I'm a podcaster, and I am willing to shout you out, like, maybe once or twice. Meanwhile, Austin are like, let's give free shout-outs to all the things we like. Yeah. Like Jeanette McCurdy's book and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies and all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies and the lady whose name we can't remember from the horror movies and Judy Greer. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so trade unions then became more common fighting for higher wages, shorter work days and, you know, reasonable amounts of work. They began to have unions that went beyond individual cities across the country and even some went into Canada. Unlike what we were taught in school about the... Um, all existing during the Industrial Revolution, which was a major time for the labor movement, factory workers, because remember, if you think about factories, factories, this is all it was about. Factory workers and other so-called unskilled workers were not involved in the unions or any of the labor movement to any realistic extent. This was all skilled and trades workers. This all had very little to do with the working conditions of the working poor. This was a largely middle class issue. Because who has time to strike if you're a low-wage worker? And who's going to let you join if you're a kid or don't have white skin? Or if you happen to have a vajayjay? <gasps> the union growth and the overall movement were more about the ideals put to... Uh, forward by the American Revolution, which supposedly was about social equality and being good to each other and all working toward a common goal. Um, while labor leaders were like, um, yeah, capitalism does not line up with the goals of America. <laughs> America and no point in the Constitution does it say capitalism. It actually leans a little bit towards socialism. I'm not saying it's full socialism, but there's a reason George Washington refused to be king. And like, I believe, aren't there several lines about the common good? Yes. And so they were saying like, okay, so there's the union and the labor movement, which are actually two separate things. The labor movement was more focused on the greater good. The unions were focused on the individual careers. And neither of them wanted the unskilled workers in there. Which is ironic when you think about the fact that these guys are wanting it to be for the greater good and to benefit everybody. Well, ev- by everybody, I mean me and my immediate peers. That's the unions. Yeah. Um, now, in 1866, a group called the National Labor Union tried to get Congress to say a workday could last no longer than eight hours. Long story short, that didn't work. But that's a whole other thing. 
So we've been fighting for an eight-hour workday since 1866. To this day, we do not have a law mandating an eight-hour workday at the federal level. Really, it should be less than eight hours of workday. Yes, there's a whole other thing I could go into about the studies that go into that. Um, there are some that even say three hours is like the optimal amount of work days, work per day. Um, because three hours, not enough time for a break, not enough time for lunch. But if you don't change the amount of work expected, people don't get tired. You're like, okay, we're in, we're motivated. Let's get it done. Now, I think three hours might be pushing it. Four hours though, I can yeah. see. Six I, hours. Um, I don't think I could do all my work in four hours. Well, imagine though, if instead of it being like all of your coworkers work from eight to noon, you worked from eight to noon, the next people came in from like one to five. Okay. So it would be like half day kindergarten. <gasps> Yay. Because you learn as much in half day kindergarten as you do in full day kindergarten. Oh yeah. I did, I think I did full day. I did half day kindergarten. And I remember like I was afternoon kindergarten, even though my friends were morning kindergarten. Oh no. Because my parents didn't want to have to deal with that shit. <laughs> I, re I don't remember this, believe it or not. I do remember my first day of kindergarten. I do not remember this part of it. But I'm sure it's true. Uh, my mom, my dad got her a trip for her 30th birthday, and he did not realize it went over my first day of kindergarten when he got <laughs> it for her. And I guess she was at the airport. She cried because she was going to miss my first day of kindergarten. My grandma took me. And my mom called her. She's like, how'd she do? Is she scared? She goes, we got there. And she said, okay, grandma, bye. You can leave. <laughs> That's, that is... So incredibly you. Um, I walked in. I looked around. I was so excited to start learning. And I saw a boy with a rat tail for the first time ever. And I remember thinking, oh, that kid is going to be trouble. And I wasn't wrong. I've never seen a kindergartner sent to the principal so many times to the point where I became his walking to the principal buddy because every day he would claim he didn't know where it was. It was one door down from us. Kevin, I can't believe this shit. I don't think that was... I, I feel Trust like he, me. Uh, his name was Kevin. I feel like he was a Jeremy or a Sean. That's basically Kevin. <laughs> uh, I liked kindergarten, except I was like already reading, so I got kind of bored. Same. I mean, I'm like so bragging about how I was in kindergarten. Okay, anyway, back into it. Um, so the whole movement, like I mentioned, labor unions, labor reform, unions about immediate needs for individual careers, reforms were looking toward the future, trying to get to the whole idea that common good. They did not work together. These were separate entities. There were the unionists and there were the reformers. You feel like those two groups would have like said, hey, we work great together. They told each other to stay in their lanes. They fought over this. Um, ultimately, the unions won and created the American Federation of Labor. This supposedly fought for all workers, regardless of skill, gender, nationality, religion, or race, and at the same time comprised entirely skilled workers. Also, I hate the phrases skilled and unskilled. It's unskilled workers are a myth used by uh, ca the capitalists to keep the working poor down. I'm like, okay, define, ex like, give me an example of an unskilled worker and I will tell you all the tasks they do that I cannot oh, do. Oh, yeah, no, straight up. I mean, like, but you talk about, like, basically any quote-unquote unskilled job. Like, you could not pick a guy off the street and say, hey, do this job and they could do it. No, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's like even, let's say your entire job is greeting people as they enter a store that is your entire job not everybody can do that i can't fucking do that i don't like people that much 
And also, it's like, I'm supposed to check their bags on the way out. I don't, what am I going to do if they stole something? Tackle them? Yeah. No. Uh, before the AFL, there was the Federation of Organized Trades and Labor Unions. They tried for like a second, which were supposed to be lobbying group in Washington because they knew that they had to get into politics for anything to matter. After the 1900s, things started to get moving. moving and in 1906, we get back to the AFL, and they presented the Labor Bill of Gr- Labor's Bill of Grievances to Theodore Theodore Roosevelt, which was basically like, "Why don't we have an eight-hour workday?" And he was like, oh. "I'm too busy hunting for elephants." Because they had actually like tried to get Congress to agree to an eight-hour workday earlier, and they were like, "Oh, that's a great idea!" Everybody, everybody thought this was a great idea, and then it got pushed aside for actually like really important stuff. It wasn't just a, we don't feel like dealing with this. Because what's interesting is until in the grand scheme of things, which I'll talk about recently, this was all bipartisan. Everybody was pro, let's make life suck less. Um, but after that, things kind of yo-yoed for a while. And then there was like a depression and nothing mattered anymore, just like in mental health depressions. This lasted through recessions and depressions, as well as the good times. Today, though we haven't officially said so, Nerd Wallet says we are unquestionably at least in a recession because we've had two consecutive quarters of a slowing economy, which is the definition of a recession. Oh, joy. Another recession. Believe it or not, we um, haven't declared a recession since 2020. And that one supposedly only lasted two months. <laughs> I'm laughing because it hurts to cry. The Great Depression could actually be only defined as two back-to-back recessions. It was just a recession followed by a recession. Now, I feel like we've been in nonstop recessions since 2007 because, let's be honest, all the 2008 stuff started in 2007. Yeah. And I feel like we're just in the longest depression of our lives and then it's compounded with the fact that everybody is now also depressed. So can we just actually look at it and go, okay... How far down have things been in general? Because once in a while, things going up does not a non-depression make. We just need to, I don't know, rob Jeff Bezos in an alley a couple hundred times in a row. But the United States has only declared 19 official recessions throughout history. That seems like a low number. Yes. Anyway, the AFL was run by Samuel Gompers. Remember I mentioned him earlier. (gasps) Yeah. And his fellow socialists. Yay. Socialism. Saying that unions being divided by occupation and concentrating on their own jobs goals um, meant that they could be, quote, furnished with the weapons which shall secure his industrial emancipation. Which basically meant, like, if you're in a union that focuses on your group, that means that you guys will all work together and get what you want for your team. Now, I don't really agree with this way of viewing it because so many fields are tied together that it doesn't make sense for them to be separated, especially when it comes to strikes. So like right now, let's say they are, I don't know, not wanting teachers to teach literature and not wanting libraries to have books. What if then all the teachers and librarians went on strike at the same time? Then maybe they'll learn to appreciate the concept of learning. I don't think they would. Or like if we look at that strike that's happening right now where the mental health workers who are in many ways, in different fields, have all been like, you know what, fuck y'all, we're going on strike, not to their patients, but actually to the company that's hurting their patients, except the psychiatrists who are like, we're in charge of their meds and they could die. Um, they don't want to not be helping their patients. They want to help their patients better. They just want to be compensated mm-hmm. adequately. So it's kind of like, I have found that the division, especially between nursing and teaching, 
saying that putting us in different unions, saying that we have different needs has actually been harmful and turns into a, my job is worse. No, my job is worse. Um, when in fact, both jobs are really, really hard Yeah, and really, really necessary to the survival of a society. And what? like, we both get attacked by, for lack of a better word, our clients. We both get attacked and vilified by society. Neither of us is paid adequately. I'm not like, and I understand why nurses can't go on a full strike, but they can do like slowdowns and stuff. So if they did that at the same time teachers went on strike, maybe people would be like, oh shit, maybe we should treat these people better. Anyway, so yeah, um, them saying that we need to have divided unions is the way to go is, and especially now, wrong because so many, there's so much cross training these days where there was not back then. Um, but doing this, meant they had to unionize not just the skilled workers, but the quote-unquote unskilled workers. They didn't do this yet because they realized they couldn't match their ideals against the way things were actually run. So what they wanted and what was happening did not go together. And they were like, well, I mean, we want everyone to be fairly compensated and stuff, but also we really don't want to shut down factories because we need the stuff that's made in the factories. And if we unionize the factories, then we want people to get the stuff from the factories, which is kind of how I imagine people who are mad at Starbucks strikers are feeling. I mean, yeah, they should be paid and stuff, but I really want my pumpkin spice, my pumpkin spice latte. Yeah. I mean, I've been waiting, literally been waiting a year for this latte. 525,600 minutes and y'all have to strike now? No. Um, so they were like, I don't know. So this is where the infighting began. <laughs> Some unions were like, duh, we need to have these lower level workers involved because we, the tradespeople, could not do our jobs without them. So like, you can't have your, I don't know, buttons without the people who make the buttons. Yeah, it's like if you need a pair of pants, you need buttons, and you need a zipper, and you need the yeah, cloth. And, and yeah. people making those for you make it so you can do your job more easily. Um, and so those were like people who worked in coal mining and people who worked in garments. Um, a lot of others tried but failed to organize the different levels, which is like meatpacking, because those skill lines were segregated by race. Um, and so they were like, well, we need a union. I guess we'll have a whites-only union. And some unions were like, fuck it, we're not even going to try. The whole movement was largely bipartisan until the Great Depression. As the working class became increasingly made of immigrants, they began to lean towards the Democrat side more. So it became less bipartisan and more partisan. By the end of World War II, there were over 12 million union members and collective bargaining had begun. This all resulted in things like retirement plans. I have one. It's great. I uh, just set mine up last week. Don't tell Austin I forgot. <laughs> He'll never find out. Sick leave, unemployment, and other protections in the workplace. Um, it was still divided up and skilled workers benefited more. Just like now. Yeah. Uh, and now we're into the 60s. 200 years since the first known strike. 200 years this labor movement has been happening. We are now hanging out with JFK and LBJ. And this is during the civil rights movement. And we're saying, oh, yeah, it's super nice that women and minorities work and all, and we don't have kids working in factories anymore. But we also don't want them to have the same rights as white dudes. So 
they started to move more towards reform and away from unions so they wouldn't have to deal with them as much. Um, and JFK, though, and LBJ were like, oh, no, we made some changes. Look how great we are. In reality, this paved the way for unions to start to fall apart. Outsourcing became more common. Re regulations broke down. There was competition between unions. And then Austin's favorite president enters. Ronald fucking Reagan. Who caused all of the anti-union rhetoric we still hear today. Yeah. Despite all of this, despite the fact that the labor fight pretty much ran since the beginning of America, through the time that Reagan traded workers' rights for jelly beans, Labor Day has been a national holiday since... Guess what year? 1984? 1894. You had all the numbers there. Oh, wow. I've, did, I catch, did I catch dyslexia from you? <laughs> he actually typed 1984 the first time. <laughs> yeah, since... Wouldn't that be ironic if Labor Day started in 1984, given the book? A little too ironic. Um, no, 1894 is how long we've had a national Labor Day. What? So we had accomplished almost nothing in the grand scheme of things, but Grover, Grover Cleveland was like, why, yes, I do like the idea of you all having rights. Let's give you, sell, you that Monday off. It's like, oh, sorry, I'm not going to guarantee a living minimum wage, but hey, uh, one day off a year? Yeah. Now, I will say, like, I didn't read too much into this. As you guys, okay, to be clear, this is not an in-depth telling of this. This could be its own, like, years-long podcast because this is actually a fascinating topic. But I've talked about Cleveland a couple of times on here, and he always sounds like he was at least kind of listening. Is he the one who did Father's Day? Oh, Listen back to our Father's Day episode. Tell yeah. me. Um, but he sounded like he was at least kind of listening. So things weren't, like, getting done, but he was aware, and he was. this is his way of saying... I agree there's a problem, and I am the president. A few states had done unofficial Labor Days before that. Um, those were all unpaid. They had parades basically saying, look at these people who would normally be working today. Don't they look happy to have a fucking day off? Oh, it's so nice having a day off. So nice. It's like, it became nationwide, and it was celebrated parades that remind people that work still sucks, uh, at that point, their kids' arms are still being pulled into machinery, and people will still work 18-hour days every single day, but by God, we get this one day off. Um, and we've touched on the violence that happened at a lot of labor rallies in the past. I'm not going to get into that. It's interesting, like the Haymarket thing. Um, I talked about it a little bit with my emperor of San Francisco. Like, I love to. Um, what I am going to get into, though is a quick summary of what the current Department of Labor is in charge of. Ooh, okay. Because this is what the labor movement led to. We have the Department of Labor. Um, also, a fun fact about me, guys. If I, like, could go back to school, I'd be going back to school for em employment law. Because this is actually something I'm, if you can tell, super, super passionate about. Because of my years working with low-income people and teachers and people who are just generally treated like shit because of the jobs they have. I kind of am passionate about it. So I've been wanting to talk about labor for a while and I'll probably talk about it more in the future, but I'm going to talk about what uh, our federal department of labor is in charge Ooh. of. Now bear in mind, there are state departments as well. Yeah. I know uh, Kansas has one. It exists. Yes. It definitely exists. It's not a figment of our imagination. 
although they will schedule an interview to talk to you about your unemployment and then not talk to you about your unemployment because you missed your scheduled interview. Well, you go, what scheduled interview? And then you get a letter the day after your scheduled interview telling you your scheduled interview time. Anyway, one, the Fair Labor Standards Act or FLSA. This makes the minimum wage $7.25 and you get 1.5 times that minimum in overtime after 40 hours in a work week. So it does not matter how many hours you work in one day, it matters after you hit that 40 hour limit. And they do not have to put a cap on the number of hours you can work in a given week. After 40, you just be paid time and a half, but that is only if you are an unsalaried worker. So if you are an hourly worker, this counts for you. If you are a salaried worker, then fuck you. We can make you work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there is nothing you can do about it except quit. Um, I noticed you had your cell phone off while you were in the shower. And yes, I know you were in the shower. This is unacceptable. We're a family at this company. I need you to work on Saturday. Yeah, there are a couple of really great TikToks out there about this stuff, guys. Um, Now, $7.25 has been the minimum wage since... 2009. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure I got paid less than that at some jobs after 2009. Although my lowest paying job ever, once I did the math, was $1.13 an hour. Oh, and don't forget the joy of the uh, the tipped uh, the tipped hourly rate. Yes, they in which they say that your employer must make you up to a minimum of $7.25 an hour, even if your tips don't do it. But there is really no way of tracking that. Yeah. Always tip your waiters and waitresses and non-binary wait staff in cash yeah don't tell them i told you um they also don't say you have to be given overtime to work on weekends or holidays unless you're already going overtime this also means there's no child labor except it doesn't because this all starts at age 16 where they can make you work as many hours as they want that comes down to the states to limit that and um yeah so basically all it means is that you have to get paid at least $7.25 an hour and overtime after 40 hours a week, but a week is any consecutive seven-day period, God, which is a whole other thing. I have seen people work 13 days in a row or 12 days in a, 12 days in a row because it meant six and six because it was two separate seven-day periods. It's yeah. why they didn't get overtime. Yeah. Come on. Um, two. The Occupational Safety and Health Act, which says your workplace has to be safe. A lot of businesses don't have to comply to this. It doesn't really apply to schools or anything governmental, as long as I understand it. And nobody agrees what safe means. That is why Amazon workers don't have to have air conditioning. Three, workers' compensation. This means that if your job hurts you, they should give you money. The federal government is not involved in these conversations, and that is why your dad can die at work and they don't have to give you anything. Four, the em uh, Inter Employee Retirement Security Act, which is stuff related to retirement and health care plans, which includes money paid directly to the government. Wait, that doesn't sound right. What? Five, Labor Management Reporting and Disclosure Act. Basically just says unions, you got to act a certain way. Six, Employee Protection, which is whistleblower protection. Basically, if you notice that your company is doing something shady as fuck and you blow that whistle, they cannot fire you or otherwise retaliate. But you also have to be able to prove that they fired you or retaliated because you were whistleblowing. And weirdly, this is enforced by OSHA. Like, oh, yeah, um, you did whistleblow on them and they did fire you, but they said it's because you were late once in 2007. Mm-hmm. Seven, the Uniformed Services Employment and Reemployment Rights Act. 
you get your job back when you return from military service. So you have a job, you go off to military service, you come back and you still have that job. And it doesn't just mean like that, you know, week long in the reserves thing. The way it read, now granted, once again, guys, I did not do a deep dive into this. It read kind of like you can volunteer to join the military, go do the military thing and get your job back after like four years. But I could be very, very wrong on that. (laughs) Now This one made me laugh. Eight, Employee Polygraph Protection Act. Say what now? Your job can't use a polygraph on you except in very limited circumstances. I did not have time to research this, but I have questions. Oh my God, I've been polygraphing everyone who comes into my office. Well, if they're not your employees, it's fine, I guess. Oh, thank God. Uh, Garnishment of wages. Don't be a dumbass and you get to keep your whole paycheck. And yes, I know some people are garnished for reasons that are not dumbassery, but that's the general overarching. That's actually what it says in the law. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's not all dumbassery. That's uh, clause two. Uh, then we got 10, the Family and Medical Leave Act. Places with 50 plus employees have to give 12 weeks of unpaid leave to people if they get sick, have a baby, or have to take care of someone. So you spend a quarter of your year with no money but a brand new baby or a spouse with cancer or having cancer yourself. Also, how sick is it that you have to donate your sick days to people when they actually get sick? Yeah. Because they can't just... And then 11, veterans preference, which is exactly what it sounds like. I think I've... That's the title of a romance novel. I guarantee it. No, it means essentially that veterans get preferential treatment in employment situations, which I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not legal because it's so in the EEOC stuff. But again, I didn't do a deep dive... But it's pretty much what it said. I, I read it like several times. I'm like, what? this is saying that they get preference over other people. But maybe that's why they're all getting to be teachers in Florida now. God, this is literally dystopian shit from the Starship Troopers movie. Yeah, we're talking specifically about the Florida. Just because you were in the military doesn't mean you should get to teach math. And I'm not saying you're not good at math. And I'm not saying no. military members shouldn't be teachers because some of the best teachers I have worked with were former military. And it's because like these were people who like saw how scary the world could be and wanted to make the world less scary. These are the ones who are like, teachers absolutely should not have guns. Have you ever seen a gun used to kill somebody? Because I have. They'll be the first ones to say, no, I will not carry a gun at school. Um, so I'm not saying that military shouldn't be teachers i'm saying that being in the military doesn't certify you to be a teacher anyway then the rest of the things get down to nitty gritty of individual careers like coal mining which i'm not going to get into okay so we've had literally 200 years of fighting for just reasonable labor laws yeah that's it we're not asking to not have to work we're not asking to not have to contribute we're asking to maybe see our families once in a while i mean and be able to eat meals regularly can we be selective about what family members we see always that is your right as an american oh thank god that's why we have that's why we have caller id that's not what i was gonna say but i'm gonna i stopped myself (laughs) i was trying to give you an out but then you just dove right back in and we have this whole government agency overseeing that laws are followed then each state has its own so what the fuck is happening Why are we having this whole, like, great resignation and nobody is, like, people are, employers are like, I can't find workers, and employees are like, hi, I'd like to work. And for some reason, people still don't have jobs and employers don't still have employees. I read a thing the other day about this woman who had to go through five interviews that lasted over 
I want to say 11 hours for a regular job on different days. I read another one about a woman who had to go through three or four rounds of interviews to work at a Burger King or some shit. What? Only to be put on the floor on her first day with no training. Like, I remember my interview for a certain coffee shop that has pumpkin spice lattes. I went in, I chatted with them, and they asked, when can you start? I had that same experience at a bookstore. I had the same experience at a movie theater. Hell, I had the same experience at most of my teaching jobs. (laughs) Except for one where I literally had an eight-hour-long interview that was exhausting. Oh, God. Yeah, um, they had to fly me out there. (laughs) They flew me down. I got to stay in a hotel. They flew me back. That's why I love JetBlue to this day. Hey, JetBlue, if you want to sponsor us, uh, I know you're coming to Kansas City now. Oh, remember back in the the dark days of the pandemic and we were able to get their, like, their cheese trays from JetBlue? Oh my god, yes. Those are so good. It's just, JetBlue, can you just sell your cheese trays? I would buy a JetBlue cheese tray. I want one right now. It's like, so, first of all, let's call the great resignation the great attrition instead. I'm just going to put that out there. Resignation sounds like giving up, like you're resigning yourself to this fate. Attrition is when an employee leaves a company for any reason, but another good meaning for attrition is, quote, the act of weakening or exhausting by constant harassment, abuse, or attack, according to Merriam-Webster. Oh, oh, okay. I see. I've worked there. Attrition is different from turnover because attrition is not expected. Every company expects a certain amount of turnover. It's just how it goes. They have a plan in place. The employers are not planning on replacing these positions, and they don't have a job description and everything else ready to go. It goes beyond the normal number of people coming and going. And I think the word works well because people are leaving their jobs, not just because they're finding better ones or just life is getting in the way, but because the hostile culture that they are in is killing them. (coughs) Amazon. (laughs) So they are... um, basically having attrition kind of thrown at them. So they're just throwing it right back. Now, I don't know if that's the definition of a war of attrition. Cause I know that's a certain specific thing and I didn't bother to look it up, but you know, it sure sounds like one. It's close enough. I'm sure there's some like, you know, someone's going to push their glasses up and go, well, actually, but yeah, it's close enough for like the purposes of our podcast. Yeah. And honestly, if you're still listening, then you agree with me anyway. Yeah. Um, A lot of industries have returned to the pre-labor movement expectation of working 12-hour days, six to seven days per week, and calling people weak for not doing so. Listen, you just got to love the grind. Be a part of the hustle culture. Um, We are a family here, and in a family, you give 110% every day. Um, also, that's that's a really toxic way of saying things, too. Now, I work right now, and this is not me covering my ass. I genuinely work at a fucking amazing place that literally I walked in on my birthday and they go, why are you here? It's your birthday. Go home. And that would be a paid day off for me. Like, not it wouldn't be like a holiday day off. It would just be like. We don't expect you to come in on your birthday if you don't want to. And when I hit my max on PTO, they're like, yeah, you need to take some time off. Like, why aren't you taking time off? They get worried when I hit my max. And I'm like, I have nowhere to go. They're like, we don't care. Just take a day off. Um, they have never referred to us as a family. They, but they have returned, referred to us as peers and colleagues and frankly, friends, which we yeah. genuinely are for the most part. Like if we know each other, it's still a company. We're still on, you know, not Zoom, but the equivalent. So like, but when we were in the office, like everybody got along great. And now it's kind of like, hello, person I haven't seen in three years. (laughs) Um, But I worked for one for a while that was, um, okay, so I I know that we are approved your week off. 
and that you have unlimited PTO. We, we know we did that. And we know that we told you that we covered all your work. We know that. But what we meant was we expect you to work the whole time you're gone and find coverage yourself for anything that you couldn't do yourself, even though we really did expect you to do it all yourself. So now we need you to work 80 hours a week for the next three weeks to make up for those four days you took off. Okay, bye. Yeah, uh, unlimited PTO is a trap. They just want to get having to pay people for the time off they've earned. Mm-hmm. And then if we have um, caregiving careers like teaching or mental health or nursing, forget about it. If you cared is the mantra there. Mm -hmm. So let's call it the great attrition or maybe the great renegotiation. I liked that one too. It's not that we're refusing to work. It's that we want to renegotiate the terms of our existence because we are living to work yet again, where there was a period in time, however brief, that people were working to live. Damn you, Reagan. Fucking Reagan. Anyway, the great attrition. We've been hearing about it since 2020. It started in 2009. Say what now? It has been around since the tail end of the great recession we had in 08 and 09. Because people went, fuck this, and left their jobs at a rate of point one percentage points per month over month over month between 2009 and 2019. Oh, damn. That the number up. of people leaving their jobs increased by 0.1 percentage point every month for 10 years. That's a lot. Yes. So this is the kind of thing people would want to scare you with these numbers. Like, okay. So if you've got 40 and 44%, so 40%, 44%, that is a difference of four percentage points. Or 10%. Percentage and percent are not the same thing. Percentage is kind of like the hard numbers difference, and then percent is the percent. The relative the difference. Fraction. Um, so this is the kind of thing people that are trying to use scare tactics on the media would be like, I have been leaving at this really high rate. Thing is that 0.1% uh, percentage point doesn't sound high, but it's actually really high. It's really, really high. And it's like when you're th looking at a labor market of hundreds of millions. Yeah. Um, so that was from 2009 to 2019. And I guess I technically would have been considered part of this because between 2009 and 2019, I would have been considered part of this attrition eight times. <laughs> you, uh, you, you, had, you ran into that attrition. Actually, you ran into that attrition eight times. Probably technically more than that. If we want to talk about me not returning to seasonal jobs the following season. Um, but, but it sounds like a lot, but that's also something to consider is why are people leaving and what brings them back? So I left in 2009 because I thought my position was getting eliminated. So I just decided to go back to school. All right. A lot of people did that around 2009. And that is part of why student loans are fucked. Because a lot of us thought our jobs were going away. So we might as well go back to school so we can get a better job. And then all of a sudden the jobs aren't there. Uh, then I had a job that treated everybody like crap, so I got a new job, and I left that one, and then I had another job that closed down, and then I got, I worked it as a sub, so it's part-time, and I got a full-time job, and then I moved, and then I moved, and I had, well, and that was a literal toxic workplace that almost killed me, as in, like, there were mold, and then I had a figurative toxic workplace that almost killed me because, you know, stroke symptoms, <laughs> um, 
but I kept going back to the workforce and most people do. Very few people are like, no, peace out. I'm done forever. Very few. Um, of people who quit their jobs between April 2020 and April 2022, only 17% haven't, haven't returned to the workforce. Wow. 17%. Not that many. And that doesn't mean they're not all, it doesn't also mean they're not looking to return. It just means they haven't returned. Um, and only 35% though stayed in the same industry. Oh. So when people are being part of the great attrition, they're changing industries now. They're like, fuck you. Um, and looking over eight major industries, none of them had more people return to the same industry. All of them had people leave for different industries. Unsurprisingly, retail had the most people were phrased to return because of Karen. Yeah. If if you haven't worked retail, um, I Don't need, do it for a while. I'd say on, straight up, I think working retail is hell and everyone should have to experience it. Food service is also okay. Yeah. It's... Anything where you have to provide customer service and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if you, a job where anyone can come in off the street and be your problem. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't mean and nothing else. It's customer service, but also being told if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second number that had the most people refuse to come back was nonprofit. Because by God, guys, the nonprofit sector is terrifying. They are grossly underpaid. They work way too many hours. And if you really And it's customer cared, service. If you really cared. If you really cared. Um, or, I, it's, or even worse, you're dealing with donors. Yeah. I interviewed oh for a job at a nonprofit. I would have been awesome at this job. They had me do an audition piece, kind of. Like you create something and you give it to them. This is not uncommon. They stole it and used it for their actual work. I got zero pay for it and they never filled the position. This is not uncommon in nonprofits. I'm not naming them because they actually do really good work. And it pisses me off that there's a few people in there who think this is okay. Education is also on this list of people who switched sectors. The ones who are choosing to not return to work at all are often the ones who are treated the worst before and during the pandemic, meaning healthcare and retail. Those are the people who are not coming back to work ever, period, screw you. The top reason people are quitting is not pay it was a lack of career development and advancement in other words they wanted to not only work but to be better at their jobs they quit working because they weren't allowed to get better at their jobs bad pay was second bad leadership was third yeah man bad leadership can make such a difference in your job yes And bad leadership ties directly into whether or not you can get the advancement Uh that you want. And career advancement doesn't necessarily mean promotions. It means getting really good at what you do. It means you care. Um, And then we have the Harvard Business Review jumping in, saying the five factors that affect the labor market are the five R's. Retirement, relocation, reconsideration, reshuffling, and reluctance. These are all things that have always been affecting the labor market, but they have really been messing with it for the last few years. One, retirement is actually up. Yeah. Two, relocating is down. Yeah, we've got all those articles that are like, oh, yeah, they moved four hours away and now we're not being allowed to work remotely anymore. Those are human interest pieces. Those are actually in the minority. More than ever, we have people either not relocating or relocating, but within their same town or state. They are not relocating to to outside of their own state. Perhaps... And this is just speculation because they don't feel the need to run away when they get to be in their own home. 
reconsidering includes looking at your work-life balance and general roles in your life and seeing everyone die, realizing that you're burnt out, having a lack of mentorship, and dealing with the bootstraps mentality are making a lot of people reconsider their life choices. Reshuffling means changing industries, and people are doing that at higher levels than ever before, largely moving from lower paid to higher paid positions in different industries. And reluctance means not wanting to return to the office or other in-person jobs, in part because of the illness, but in part because they are more motivated and better at their jobs at home and that getting the resources they need has actually been easier for them when they're away from the office. Yeah, commutes suck. Yeah. Several studies have actually said that this whole thing should be called the great retirement. People are retiring younger and more often than before. Austin, your tree is working. Yes. Um, so uh, who doesn't want to work these days, Grandpa? Oh, yeah. It's you. Yeah. Um, in reality, it's the opposite of what happened during the last re- recession back in 2008-2009. So millennials are graduating from college, and the number of people retiring went down by 1% or something like that. So they couldn't get jobs. But now people are retiring at higher rates because they're like, you know what? Life's too short. And so people who are younger are now able to go, oh, that position opened. I can stop working the retail job and move into that position. People who are in that position are like, oh, that other position opened. I can move into that because people are retiring and people are actually able to get the jobs they wanted in the first place. And they're starting to notice, hey, just because I quote unquote only have a retail background, I know for a fact I am really good at graphic design because I do it as a hobby. What if I just submitted my portfolio for some jobs and see what happens? And then people get the graphic design jobs. And now there's no one left to work at the retail place because people are trying to realize their worth. And I am not saying that there's anything wrong with working retail or food service Mm -hmm. or anything. People love it. There are people who absolutely adore that. And that's wonderful. And if you like your job, by all means. Um, But the lack of respect is usually what gets to you there, followed by the lack of pay. Yeah. And also, I I feel like this just bears repeating. Over a million people died? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, an unexpected million people died. And you know what? That just means that there's fewer people to make you a taco. And a lot of those people worked in the places that made you the tacos yeah. because you refused to wear a mask. Yep. Um, and this great attrition is working. It is working. It is actually achieving the goals to a certain extent that the labor reform movement wanted and the union movement wanted. People who quit during the 2020 to 2022 years got double the pay raises of people who didn't leave. So like on average, let's say a person got a $5 pay raise while a person who left and came back got a $10 pay raise. Oh, but I know it's, it's gotten bad Wait, enough. Wait, is that how it was a percentage points? Either way, you know what I mean. It's gotten bad enough that like my job is starting to offer much higher raises and like just basically like incentive to just keep people working here and not leaving. And that's raises. part of it. That is a big part yeah. of it. Um, and then lower paying jobs have also they've been forced to raise their minimum pay and offer perks like Walmart's Live Better You program, which pays a hundred percent of college tuition and books for its workers over the next five years. So if you are a Walmart employee over the next five years, college is fucking free. Because they believe that that will lower attrition and keep retention higher. Now, even if it's just for the next five years that it helps them, that helps them. 
And I keep seeing all these things that say working from home is elitist and we shouldn't encourage it because it's not open to people from lower paying careers. Well, firstly, some people with salaries also can't work at home. And uh, more importantly, we're seeing that people can switch careers more easily than they were ever told they could. The Great Recession has in some way shown people um, that they can do these things. Yeah. And uh, I already talked about how they watch people die and they watch their employers not care. Like they come in there like, my mom died. Fuck you. We need someone to make the tacos. It's like, well, uh, you can't. It's like, I can't give you the time off. There's no one else who's working your shift. So you have to come in. Yeah, and also I re I recently learned that that's a weird American thing. In other countries, it is your manager's job to find coverage or cover your shift. Yeah. That is why they are salaried. Um, yeah, or you'll, it's like you know, have a big system, have a big like you know company wide online meeting, and like a director simply says like we don't care how many of you die, we're opening everything. Yeah, so people were starting to look at this and go, wait, this is fucked up. I'm leaving, and employers are also kind of being forced to look and go, okay. People want to leave because they can't work from home. Well, can we make it so they can work from home? Now, you can't make the tacos from home, but a lot of the people at the corporate level can certainly work from home, which will save you all money so that you can use to then give better pay to the people who make the tacos. Yeah. And it's it makes like everything easier because, oh boy, the roads are certainly a lot clearer. Like I have not seen traffic at all. It's like they recently realized that they're worth more than this. Their families are worth more than this. And so why not try for that position that you're supposedly not qualified for? I mean, that's how I ended up with my current career. I have almost no official training in what I do. It's just something I've always done. And I didn't really realize there was a job. And that's the thing is a lot of people don't realize that what they're good at usually has a job. Like for me, I just knew that I, I mean, I knew that there were writers and editors, but I thought it was just people who you know, worked in offices with books and like these online content people, I thought they were all journalists and stuff. No, it's people like me. Yeah, and I'm learning more and more that you can be, you can be a professional dungeon master, but there's like three jobs for that, and they're already taken by Matt Mercer. Um, essentially, we've been heading back into the labor movement of the early Americas through the 1970s, but packing it all into the past 13 years, particularly the last two. We have started striking. We have started telling bad bosses they can't treat us like we're not people. We are learning phrases like act your wage, and we are quiet quitting, which is a phrase that I hate, but that's apparently what it's being called. It's simply doing your job. And do it, doing your job to the barest minimum, not going not above and beyond. the barest minimum. It's doing your job well. The bare minimum, no, that could, I could see that being like, oh, I'm kind of walking close. But it's usually do what's expected of you. And if you have time, go a little above. Like don't, but just don't go below. Yeah. It's just doing your job. So I remember like two weeks ago when Austin talked about the presidential fitness test and how we were made to feel like crap about our physical abilities, which led to a lot of emotions coming up for both of us. And I think I admitted to having an eating disorder. Like that is how... <laughs> you didn't, but you have now. <laughs> Hooray. Uh, that's how the workforce has been. Give 110% every day. Then bring home some work with you and do some more work. And you also need a second job. And your little Timmy, he needs to go to tutoring, but also to baseball. Because if he needs to grow up and give 110%, he's got to be ready for it now. Yeah, um, you got to have those extracurriculars. Otherwise, he's not going to go to good, co good college. And also, he's going to be paying off that good college until he dies. Yeah, so we're giving this, you know, just like in P.E., we're always being told, give 110%, 110% to literally everything in your life. Well, you only have 100% to yourself. And if you're giving 110% to your work and 110% to your second job and 110% to the work you've got to bring home with you and 110% to bring your kid to all their extracurriculars and 110% to your family, you're that, dead. 
Yeah, that leaves like 30% for everything else. That's not how math works. It is. That's why Timmy needs a tutor. So, as of this month, which is September 2022, about half of workers in the U.S. are considered quiet quitters, according to Bloomberg. This literally means they're just doing their jobs well without becoming overly emotionally engaged. Part of this comes from exhaustion, but a lot of it comes from people going, I don't know what's expected of me, so I'm just doing what I know I'm supposed to do. And they can't get anybody to help them, which goes back to the whole career advancement issue, which is why we're still seeing attrition. Um, they want to be given their, good at their jobs. They aren't being the resources to improve. And many of these quiet quitters are already looking for other work because they're not being given the chance to get better. So they're doing the, what they know to do. Um, and again, how I mentioned how much I love my job. Like I asked if I could have a weekly self-driven professional development as a task and that we could discuss it at my one-on-one. And she said, yeah. And I was not told you have to do these lessons. You have to learn these things. It was, you know what you need to improve at. Like you understand what your passions are. Go for that. Um, and this week she asked, like today was my one-on-one with her, which is, you know, this weekly meeting thing that's actually been proven to improve retention. These one-on-one meetings. Um, when they're done correctly. And she asked what I did with my stuff last week. I'm like, you know, I did it. There's not a lot to report. I didn't learn anything. But I did try the Pomodoro method, which is built in break times. Like you work for a certain number of minutes and then you have a timer set for a break. And she got a big ass smile across her face because I was taking breaks. Yeah. And Austin's like, you were taking breaks? I have never seen you take a break. You don't even sleep. I don't. Um, It's like, that is the kind of workplace you want. Anyway, less than 40% of younger workers, meaning 35 and younger, we are not considered younger workers, less than 40% understand what is expected of them at work. Less than 40%. I felt that way at a recent job and it kept getting worse and worse. And that is tied directly to another thing called quiet firing, which is why we should not call this quiet quitting because it gives them permission to do quiet firing, which has always been a thing. This is when they intentionally make working conditions impossible to survive, to get employees to quit so they don't have to find a reason to fire them. Now, I suspect and have observed, although this is purely anecdotal, that this happens more often to people of color, people who do not speak English as a first language, and people with special needs. But what do I know? It's just what I've seen every single time I've seen don't this happen. Forget, don't forget women. Women too, but I, I work in a female-dominated industry, so it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. Um, however, for possibly the first time, This is also being done to managers when they realize that certain managers have high attrition rates underneath them. And when their observations are simply that they're making a hostile workplace, they are making their jobs impossible. So they quit. So they can get somebody good in there that having to go through the entire long process. Now I'm actually not saying it's a good thing, but I'm saying it's kind of a good thing. (laughs) Um, It's a good thing in the sense that there are managers who have been in these positions for 20 years who are completely ineffective and instead, and this means that they don't get to fail upwards finally. But it's not a great thing because some of them are just new with this and need help and aren't getting the help. Anyway, uh, we're back where we were. We've been working too many hours. We aren't getting paid for the hours we work. I once worked at a salaried place that in the fine print said you were on call 24-7. That's how I ended up there on a Sunday. It was a school. It was a school. Um, when I was 16, my first ever job falsified my time card so they didn't have to pay me overtime. 
They didn't know they were dealing with a bitch with OCD who loves her good spreadsheet and had been keeping track of every time that she clocked in and clocked out of work down to the minute. And they ended up giving me a very big paycheck because they were afraid of me suing them, which I didn't know I could do at the time because I was 16. (laughs) Um, So this is not a new thing, my peeps. And it goes all the way back to school where we were told if we didn't get straight A's in kindergarten, we were going to fail at life. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Give that 110% attitude is everything. Only you are responsible for you and what happens to you in the future. And we have had enough. We are repeating the same stuff that the labor movement did before us, but we are cramming it down into two years rather than 200. I mean, it's just like, let's face it. I mean, this is a generation that does work harder and like is better educated than any previous generation. So um, maybe the powers that be will figure it out faster this time. Otherwise, we're going to end up in some real trouble. Yeah. And uh, maybe we won't trade our rights for jelly beans again. And that is how the 200-year labor movement, its successes and failures, directly mirror the last two years. Oof. Thank you. Bravo. Bravo. (laughs) Are you ready for some questions? Yeah. Will this be on the test? The actual labor movement lasted over 200 years. No, that will not be on the test because they don't want those kids getting ideas. The steps made by the labor movement were killed by Austin's favorite president. Honestly, I feel like there's some districts that will absolutely throw the old Jelly Beans Reagan under the bus now. So yeah, that'll be on the test. The Great Resignation has quietly been happening since 2009. Yeah, that'll be on the test. Most times we've tried to fight for an eight-hour workday, it's failed, and it's not even required now. Yeah, that'll be on the test. And there are laws about when your boss can give you a polygraph. (laughs) That won't be on the test, because if... Uh, then that might put an end to their secret polygraph sessions. I have so many questions about this. Like, why did they, like, were, what, did they have to change this because there was widespread use of polygraphs? Or did they have to change this because one guy ruined it for everyone? I feel like it was one guy ruined it for everyone. Like, there's like some Ford executive who was like, who's been using all the coffee creamer? Let's bring in polygraph Joe. And they started polygraphing everyone in the office. Are you thinking about that Jonas Brothers video we watched the other day now? About the year 3000? Uh, no, the one where he hooked them up to the polygraph thing in his car and asked them questions. Like, which <gasps> one of your spouse, oh my God, wait. your brother's spouses do you like better? Wait, wait. If the Jonas Brothers were being paid for this, did that mean James Corden broke the law? Um, would they technically have been his employees? I don't know. If like they're being paid for an, being paid for like an appearance on a show... I actually don't know if they're necessarily paid, although they they might have been paid because it technically would have been a performance and not an interview. Yeah. Um, also, Austin didn't know who the Jonas Brothers were until this week. I hey, I rec- I've seen Camp Rock. I recognize them. <laughs> okay, that is his only frame of reference for them. Uh, Camp until Rock. he realized that their music is actually about the climate wars and trying to warn us about warn us about global change. It's coming, people. It's coming. They've been to the year 3000 and not much has changed, but they live underwater. You know why they live underwater? Because the polar ice caps melted. (laughs) So what'd you learn today? Uh, That all my, my entire frame of reference of the Jonas Brothers is Camp Rock. That the labor union, the labor movement is... Way more complicated than even I knew, and it's something I've talked about on this podcast at least five times. Yeah, it goes back to a lot of what I say, is that 
nothing is ever just one thing. Yeah. Like things, you can't, nothing exists in a vacuum is the best way to say that. Like you don't suddenly have a civil rights movement. You don't suddenly have a dictatorship. You don't suddenly have a bunch of ice cream in your freezer. That's just because you ordered while you were on Ambien. And you're on Ambien because of a long-lasting sleep disorder. That was caused by Ronald Reagan. I'm sure it was. I, we can find a way. We can six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Oh, uh, that's my new game. It's uh, six degrees of Ronald Reagan. You find a problem <laughs> in your life, no matter how petty, and you find a way to link it back to Reagan. It's really easy and very cathartic. My um, Okay. My insomnia is genetic. I got it from my grandfather who knew Ronald Reagan. Oh, that's like, that's just like one degree. I mean, I don't know if he knew Ronald Reagan, but I'm pretty sure their paths crossed. He knew of Ronald Reagan. I'm, I don't I'm think pretty that sure their pa- no, I'm pretty sure their paths crossed. Yeah. If not with Ronald Reagan directly, it was within with people within his office. Yeah. See, oh man, they have a, that would make like if you just knew of the person, that would make the six years of Kevin Bacon. So it's like, okay, my links to Kevin Bacon are uh, I have seen a Kevin Bacon movie. No, One. I don't know every Boom. single person my grandpa met in his career, but like. It's it's really fun to hear him talk about the people that we know for sure he met. Yeah. Like, oh my god, he he hates Rudy Giuliani. Yes. And has hated him since the seventies. Yeah, he remembers meeting him in the seventies. He's like, I just didn't I didn't like it. There was I something believe, about uh, that guy. I believe um like slime ball mm-hmm. was the word he used. Gotta be careful here. We don't want him to have to get like called up for anything. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, alright, so that was the Maddie-centric episode full of rage and rambles and how long did I talk for? Um, long enough that I'm actually going to have to pay you time and a half for this. <laughs> Over 40 hours? Yeah. How long did I talk for? Hour 15. That seems about right. Where yeah. can people find us? Well, they can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash onthetestpod, on Instagram at onthetestpod, on Twitter at onthetestpod, on TikTok at onthetestpod. It's my favorite place. And our website, onthetestpod.com. Which is finally getting some rehashing done because I had to cancel some stuff that was related to it. So it's going to be a hot mess, but it's actually finally coming together. Woohoo! I'm pretending I know how to do web design yet again. Actually, you- I've gotten pretty good at it. I'm actually pretty good at it. Yeah. I learned how to do it not long ago. Okay. <laughs> I'm not terrible at it. You could be worse. You could be Rudy Giuliani. And on that note, class, class dismissed. dismissed. It's hot in here. So take off all your clothes. Um, I don't do that kind of work. Oh yeah, fine, fine. So we're not doing oh the, was that Cisco? Um Nelly? Yeah, that was Nelly. Okay. Class dismissed. <laughs>